Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you. Live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network, presented by Picasso's Pizza. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is Friday. 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 It is Victory Friday to you, and I'm very excited about all those things. Friday is the third F. As a reminder, today's show and all shows on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network are presented by Picasso's Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's We Are Buffalo Pizza, shipping locally and nationwide at picassospizza.net. Mr. Geary, how are you doing? I am dandy, good sir. How are you on this beautiful, beautiful Friday evening? Uh, and welcome to all of our live chat listeners, all of us, uh, all of you folks watching live, whether it's on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, wherever you're watching us, Twitch, wherever you're watching us, good evening to you and happy Victory Friday evening to all of you beautiful souls out there. I'm doing great. I'm, you might say I'm doing B-E-A beautiful. You might. You might. B-E-A a beautiful food for thought is brought to you by genesee brewing company since 1878 genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint can and bottle of their beer they make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience look for genesee beer genesee light cream ale and their specialty line with beers like ruby red kolsch and oktoberfest Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Nate and I are drinking out of exactly the same mug this evening. Yeti? Drinking out of the Yeti. Why don't you have... uh, pop the camera on? Why don't you show us? Oh, you know what? It's weird. It's just it's, it's just not working. It's on the fritz again, <laughs> Nate. I just don't know what to tell you. Internet, some... uh, you got to choose one or the other. You, Absolutely. You, you, your your um, dial-up, or no, you are, you have net zero. That's what it is. Bruce that's, has that's net what zero. It is. Net zero. And net zero, you only get to choose. Do you get clear audio, clear video? You don't get to have both. Can't have both. Sorry. And I just got to have my green tea. So it's just the way it is. Mm. Got to have your green tea. Reminder, go ahead and hit all of the buttons, all of the engagement buttons. Just press all of them. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Any super chats given to us greater than $10. Get a Genesee pint glass. Just make sure you are following at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Geary Sports. Proof of the super chat and the Genesee follow with your address. Nate, are you ready to get into today's topic, which I thought was very fitting? And that is foods that stick with you fondly for days after there is an afterglow that comes along mm, yes there with is victory friday an afterglow if you will and it's very very exciting when it's your team because now you get to enjoy football for the rest of the week that's right no and the weekend yeah and the weekend and it's all good you get to watch red zone on sunday stress-free baby also scott hansen is the goat so yes, I mean, he is. I don't know if we talked about this before. Massive Scott Hansen fan. So I am all the way in on Red Zone. I can always go back and catch a lot of the other stuff later. One of my goals every single year is to watch every game from every team. But mm. I usually don't get caught up on that stuff until like the summer when I'm doing like, 
you know, fantasy work and I'm doing yep. work on the draft and stuff like that. Then I'll get caught Bruce, up. just be honest but, when you're really bored and have nothing to do. That would never happen. Usually when my wife goes out of yeah. town, actually, because I don't have anything else to watch. Though I have been making my way through some really old, like mid-90s cartoons recently. Watched mm -hmm. Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Gargoyles. Been having Ooh, a good time. Gargoyles. Yes. Solid. Mm -hmm. Solid stuff. So when my mm -hmm. wife goes out of town, sometimes I'll I'll do that. But we're Get gonna talk weird. about foods weird. that stick with you fondly mm -hmm. for days after, much like the afterglow of a Buffalo Bills victory. Nate, we're gonna start with you. Tell me okay. about food that sticks with you fondly for days after. So I'm gonna kind of lump it into a food group, but also say that there is something in sp specific to that food group that really, for me, is something that like you eat and you think the next day, you th you, you think back and you think, wow. Like today, like this morning, when you woke up, you thought about that game yesterday, the, the game last night, 24 hours ago now, right? <clears throat> Tomorrow, you're probably going to think, oh, wow, how great was that game on Thursday night? Sort of like how every time when I get good barbecue, particularly when I get good barbecue beef ribs, because they're hard to find, they're, they're usually like on a special, a weeknight special. Um, so for me, barbecue beef ribs, like the dino ribs, I'm talking something that's got Something that's going to cost you forty dollars for one of them, you know, something something that when you put it on the scale, it uh, it it reads out like three four pounds or something. Like I not not all meat, of course. There's bone in there, but there is something very special to me about a a a peppery dry rub on a smoked beef rib and just barbecue in general. I'm always sort of fixated. I'm always wanting to get barbecue and back to back or. Sometimes, you know, three straight days, which is why I end up buying way more barbecue than I'm going to eat in that sitting, Bruce, so that I have leftovers. And with barbecue, pulled pork, brisket, you could throw that right back in the oven. Or for me, I'll throw the smoker back on and put it back on the smoker for 15, 20 minutes. Let the fat sort of start to render on itself again. And you've got two straight days. Sometimes, if you're lucky, three straight days of barbecue. And what's better than three straight days of barbecue now? Not every barbecue is great. Nothing. I've had I've had bad barbecue. I think everyone's probably yep. had bad barbecue in their life. Uh, chewy brisket or fatty beef, um, you know, or pulled pork that, you know, just is just isn't sauced properly and wasn't smoked long enough. And it can be a little tough. Um, but when you have good barbecue, it's something that you want to sort of have a few times. Uh, so always get extra when you get. The problem is it's hard to know whether or not you're about to get a banging box of barbecue. You know, that's why I've got a barbecue place here in Buffalo, Yankee Barbecue, that I exclusively go to. Because I know every single time I go there, Bruce, I can get as much barbecue as I want. And I'm not going to be like, oh, that wasn't that good. I don't want to eat the rest of that. I know every time I go there, I'm going to get legit Texas-style barbecue, big old dino ribs. And the dino ribs they have there are absurd. By the way, Bruce, speaking of barbecue, Sunday, because of this stress-free Sunday, I'm going to watch Red Zone like we talked about. I just bought myself a big back strap of beef ribs that are up oh, in the fridge. Oh, yeah. I've also got two giant chuck roasts. So I'm going back to the beef burnt ends. And my plan is three, probably two and a half hours on the smoker, open smoke, pull the beef. Cube it up, toss it in a um, a giant, um, you know, a tin foil thing. Tons of barbecue, probably two bottles of barbecue sauce, uh, a bunch of probably a, probably a stick of butter. Wrap it, toss it back in the smoker. Probably four or, or five more hours. I'm gonna leave it on the smoker um, and then pull it off, and I should have like fall apart beef burnt ends with Chuck. Uh, nice, so there's some fattiness in there, um, but like. That's the kind of stuff you put in the fridge. After I'm going to make enough for like eight people. I got a couple of buddies coming over. Girlfriend's out. She's uh, she's in Florida. So I'm just going to smoke a bunch of beef, uh, hang out with my buddies, watch a little NFL red zone. I could not be more. Now, would I have done this, Bruce, if the Bills hadn't won? I, I probably would. Um, but, but I'm going to tell you right now, good. it would not. I would. I probably wouldn't have voluntarily gone to Wegmans today to go pick up the you know, the, my, my winnings, all of that great beef that I'm going to smoke tomorrow uh, on Sunday, I probably wouldn't have gone out and got it and been like, guys, I'll cover the food. You guys bring some beer. You bring some sides. I got the beef. Okay. I probably wouldn't have been in such a good mood where I would have did that. The bills lost. 
yesterday. So yesterday really uh, set the domino effect of good vibes going for you here for the next couple of days and ha- as we head into the weekend. You know, it's funny. There are certain foods out there that you say, well, you can't really have a bad blah, 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 right? It's really hard to screw up blah, blah, blah. It's really easy to screw up barbecue. Mm. It is so easy to screw up barbecue. And for how ubiquitous it is in the United States specifically, there's plenty of people who don't do it right. So everybody out there has had bad barbecue. There are some people out there who will tell you they've never had bad pizza. Like that, that's a real thing. Oh, I've never had bad pizza. That's everybody nonsense. you know has had bad barbecue. Yes. Everybody yes. Right. has had bad barbecue. Um, I still, to this day, have not found a barbecue place that is within reasonable proximity of my home that I really like. Listen, Bruce. I have had, I think I've had seven different barbecue places close to my home, and I haven't really loved any of them. My wife and I are still looking for our barbecue place. Because, you know, whenever you move, now I moved around a lot when I was younger. We talked about this yep. before. I, I've lived 19 different places in my life. And every time I move somewhere, you got to go through the checklist, right? You got to find a burger place. You got to find a pizza place. You got to find you know, all this stuff. You know, you got to find a Hispanic place and, yep. you know, uh, uh, an Asian place. And you got to find all this stuff that you really like. Barbecue still haven't gotten it. I still haven't gotten it. That's too bad, Bruce. So... I also feel with barbecue, though, Bruce, when you're outside of the South, it, it can be really hit or miss. Because here's the thing about barbecue spots is, for the most part, the like the hole-in-the-wall barbecue place, the reason that those exist is because, frankly, you don't need a lot of overhead to, to have a barbecue place, right? You got to have a big smoker that can crank out tons of different meats, right? You got to know how to time those up. You, mm-hmm. And you, you got to buy wood. I mean, that's mm-hmm. – and you got to have some – you got to have a building and you got to have, like, a, a, something to keep – the meat warm in after you pull it and the place in the Yankee barbecue. And next time you get to town, Bruce, we're going to have to go do that. Yes. Yes, please. I need to have to do that. I need it it really bad. It's a, so he is, he does traditional Texas style. So can I trade in my lobster for barbecue? Yeah. Yeah. And we we could do the plate of Q, which is he does everything. So he'll put pork ribs, um, if it's a weekend, pork ribs, beef ribs, pulled pork, his uh, jalapeno cheese stuffed sausage that he cold smokes for five hours. Unbelievable, Bruce. Um, what are some of my uh, – he does smoked prime rib. Um, and then I'm missing – oh, brisket. His brisket is banging. Um, and then he's got smoked mac and cheese. Amazing. Uh, cheesy potatoes, which are super good. And the baked beans. And this is a, this is a hot take, Bruce. A good – it's hard to say homemade baked beans. They're beans that you put a lot of stuff together. But as long as you're not right. going like bushes in the can, when you get to a place that a barbecue place that has legit like three or four different mm-hmm. kinds of beans in there, hard, dark, brown sugar, sweet, delicious, big chunks of bacon um, like they have there, you'll never have bushes baked beans again. Yeah, good baked beans are fantastic. And barbecue, one of the reasons you love to go to barbecue places is not just about the barbecue, it's about the sides. Yeah. You get really good mac and cheese and you get, you know, really good salads and things like that. So coleslaw. No, oh, I'm not a slaw guy historically. Neither am I, but I just but I, it, it should it, it just has to it's barbecue, it has to be said, right? I will tell you this. I am much more of a slaw guy when you're putting it on a barbecue sandwich for texture purposes. Mm. So I like cabbage, don't get me wrong. Um, but I would rather go like kimchi to be honest uh, and not, not, okay. not in the sense of barbecue, but if I'm going to do something with, especially Napa cabbage, which is my right. personal favorite, um, I, it's the mayo, obviously that is not really cool for me. Um, sometimes my girlfriend will make like a vinegar based or a, um, olive oil, like Italian dressing based slaw. Sure. And that can be good. Um, or like a slaw that she, maybe she uses like fresh Greek yogurt or, uh, you know, she uses a lot of substituting of sour cream for mayonnaise for me, um, which I end up really liking in a potato salad in particular, because if you've never had a, p- a potato salad where you substitute the sour cream in for the mayo, you've never, it is so much, it tastes so fresh, Bruce. Like it just has this forward, amazing, like, I don't know, it's hard, you know, when, whenever you're getting fresh vegetables in there, you throw some, she likes to throw, you know, some fresh celery and some stuff that we get from the crop share. Um, I, you don't have to agree. If you like mayo, you're going to, you're going to eat a standard potato salad, but I'm telling you 
like there are probably to me, I would much rather have that that fresh sour cream concept in it than than you know some mayo that's been sitting in a fridge for six months. For me, the food that sticks out with me fondly for days after is cheese sticks. So I love a good cheese stick. And for a lot of years, there were two white whales that my wife and I had when it comes to home preparation. The first one was fried chicken. My wife had tried a bunch of different ways of getting fried chicken and just we couldn't get it right. Recently, she made fried chicken and absolutely nailed it. The second thing was cheese sticks. Just couldn't get the right bun, Mm. couldn't get the right meat. Well, now we got to figure it out. And if you follow me on Instagram, you will see that we figured it out quite a bit. And she made some spicy cheesesteaks. And when I say spicy cheesesteaks, what I mean is, you know, we made sure that we you know, seasoned up the, you know, the peppers and onions real well. We sauteed some jalapenos in there. We used pepper jack cheese. Mm. Nothing crazy. It wasn't crazy heat by any means. Just a little bit of heat on there. I'll be darned if I wasn't thinking about that particular sandwich a good 36 hours later mm. and just wishing I had more of it. I actually got legitimately sad when I looked down and realized we had no more buns to make another one. And so I just ate it with a fork out of a Tupperware container and said, it's close. You know, it's, 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 it's lack of carbs is what it is. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's a carbless. It's the Atkins cheesesteak, but it sticks with me for days after. And this game is going to stick with a lot of people for a long time because the next time the Buffalo Bills play is Monday night, not this upcoming Monday, but the next Monday, again on a primetime game against the Tennessee Titans. So if Rams-Bills was a food, Nate, we got to sum it up because that's what we do here. We manage to take an extremely complicated game that goes for 60 minutes and hundreds of plays and say, this is it. You've got one simile to make it it work, one metaphor to make it work. We are going to make it happen. I'm going to go first. Okay, do it. If Rams Bills was a food, it was specifically the first time I had Thai food. The first time I had Thai food, I felt strongly that I was going to like it. I felt good about it. But walking in to try something new, you always have either a little bit of excitement or a little bit of dread. Sometimes both of those things, but usually balanced more to one side than the other. For me, the first time I had Thai food, I was very excited about that for sure. I was like, okay, I've had other things that are maybe in the same zip code, right? They are Thai food adjacent, perhaps is what you would say. And I feel confident that I'll like Thai food. But I didn't know it was going to be that good. Like I knew it was going to be good. I was a fan. I knew that I felt good about the Buffalo Bills coming in. I picked them to win 28-24 on the Buffalo Rumblings pregame show. So I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. Mm. So I knew the Bills were going to win. I can't say that. I didn't know the Bills were going to win. I predicted the Bills were going to win. And I thought that the Bills were going to look good. But if the Bills hadn't turned the ball over four times, that might have been a 40-burger. Pretty easy. On what was a really good defense last year and a Mm. Super Bowl-winning team. So for me, when I look at Bill's Rams, I think about the first time I ever had Thai food. The first time I was introduced to a banh mi, and I mm. said, man, mm-hmm. pork on a sandwich, that does sound like, I really like pork, you know, it's a good sandwich, I'm a big, big pork fan. I think I'm going to like this. And then I took a bite into it, and I got the cilantro, and I got the radish, and I got the jalapenos. And I got the pork, and I was like, oh, my. The big, fluffy white bread. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. I am in on this. It was the same way watching this game last night. I watched the game last night, and I said, wow, this is this – is, I mean, Josh Allen, I knew Josh Allen's a good quarterback at this point. That sample size has been established. I knew the defense was going to be good. That's fine. I knew the pass rush would be upgraded with the additions of Vaughn Miller, Taquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. You knew second year of Groot, second year of Boogie Basham, third year of A.J. Epinesa. You knew that it was very likely to be a stronger defense. Now, you may have had concerns. You know, Tredavious White's out. You have Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup against Dane Jackson and a rookie of some sort. We didn't know if it was going to be Benford or Kyle Elam. 
So you go in to have Thai food and you go, okay, I have some concerns, right? Maybe I don't like this one thing. Maybe I struggle with chopsticks. Maybe there's something out there that gives me concern. But the thing that you were concerned about is so overwhelmingly encompassed by all the things that went right, which is exactly the way that I had. And Andy Anderson says, is, isn't Bon Me Vietnamese? Yes, it is Vietnamese. But this particular place was a little loose with the uh, a little loose with the geography when it comes to that. Yes, Bon Me is absolutely Vietnamese in um Thank God, we, thank God we've got Andy here to keep you in check. Good catch, Andy, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Bon Me is, is Vietnamese. Um, anyway, yeah, I got distracted by Vietnamese versus Thai food. But so I had this newish food for me, right? And this was a newish team for us. It's the core is still what you're used to. I mean, it's not like the Bill Hill Bills roster is drastically different. There wasn't a massive amount of turnover. And if you had something Thai adjacent, you probably had a good idea of what you were going to get from Thai, right? But you didn't think such a, a short change from what you had to what you were having was going to be such a big deal. And that's exactly what happened when I watched the Buffalo Bills. So mm. for me, not just having Thai food, specifically the first time I had Thai food, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be that good. That good. Mm. Love that. Love that comparison. I feel very similarly about lobster bisque because the thing with lobster is, and, and I've told you this, I'm not a huge lobster fan. Like I don't seek it out. Sometimes the, 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 the times that I actually find a steak to be most, or um, to, to find a lobster tail, the most appetizing is when it's on top of a steak, like you get surf and turf and that, that way you can interchange, you know, bite a steak, dunk the piece of uh, lobster in the butter, take a bite of that and then interchange. Like I, I find that whole experience to be very delicious. But for me, lobster bisque was something that I'd always kind of avoided because a seafood broths sort of make me feel weird, much like a lot of hype around the bills over the last, particularly Bruce over the last five days or so, everybody's Super Bowl favorite. So the idea of, the seafood broth, because there's lots of different, you know, fish bones. I don't know. There's just something about it that never really appetized me. And there's always been something about being the front runner, being the team that 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 other teams are. You know, what's what's the saying, Bruce? When you're the top team, you're always getting the other uh, every other team's best best shot, effort, best shot, right? Like I I never really I was never really interested in the idea that, that the Bills being this team, being a team that like people they talked about Tom Brady led teams. You know what I mean? Like that's how that's how people have been talking about the bills. So it just never appetized me. And then I was at a Brazilian steakhouse and I did the thing. And the first time was, this was happened to be the first time I was at a Brazilian steakhouse, Bruce. I did the thing that veteran Brazilian steakhouse goers would never do, which is go to the very elaborate salad bar because it's a facade, Bruce. It's, it is, it is there to fill you up. So you don't eat all of their beef. Right. But at, I'm trying to think of the Brazilian steakhouse that's over here. It's the chain. You know which one I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, is it Texas Day Brazil? Texas Day Brazil. Boom. Look at me. Go. I, that was the first time I ever had lobster bisque. And I decided at that moment I was going to, I paid $70 or whatever it is to eat a bunch of food. I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to try this lobster bisque. The reason I tried it is my friend got it. What my friend did was ladled it into his bowl. And I just saw all these chunks of lobster flop into the bowl. And I was like, Usually when I see lobster bisque, Bruce, it does it's not filled a lot with with lump crab. A lot of times it's just the actual bisque itself with some supplemental lobster in there. This bisque was fresh and had lobster in it. And when I tried that for the first time, the richness, I was like, yo, this this is actually a very life-changing experience <laughs> for me. Um, like the the lobster wasn't overcooked, so it wasn't rubbery. Like it just was overall a lot of claw meat, which is I think rare. You end up seeing a lot of just diced up tail meat. I love a little claw meat um, in the in the bisque. So much like the game that we got to see yesterday, that Bills Rams game, 
this was a, a combination of me looking at something and being sort of nervous about eating it because of a preconceived notion, because of my idea that this team, it makes me uncomfortable how much all these people keep talking about. The people I respect that I follow, and I'm always like, yeah, they're always right about stuff, are all saying that the Bills are their Super Bowl pick. So that discomfort was always sort of leading me away from not wanting to have the conversation, not wanting me to try that bisque. And when I finally did, when I finally accepted it, and I watched it play out in real time yesterday, Bruce, it was a life-changing experience, just like watching the Bills have four turnovers and beat the defending Super Bowl champs by three scores in a game they probably could have won by four or five. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Are you a lobster bisque guy? I assume you are. You like lobster, so... I do like lobster, and I like lobster bisque. My issue with lobster bisque is a little bit goes a long way because of how rich it is. Yes, it's very, I cannot very have a bowl of lobster bisque. I can have a cup of lobster bisque, but at no point have I ever gotten two-thirds of a way through a bowl of lobster bisque and thought, yes, I'm really excited to finish this last third. Have you uh, ever gone to Put-in-Bay, Ohio? I have. Okay, so there's a boardwalk on Put-in-Bay, Ohio. Put Ohio. Goes out into the water, and on that boardwalk, there is a lobster bisque place. It's like, literally, they got it. It's just huge. So I was there for a bachelor party, shoot, four years ago, five years ago. And, Bruce, that was the most life-changing bisque I've ever had. Because it was like three parts lobster, two parts bisque. Wow. I've so never it's almost had like a bisque chowder. I've never had a bisque chowder, whatever you want to call it, that had as much lobster in it as that. Like, and they just, it was expensive. They had a big cooler of it. So you, people, it, it was clearly their thing. And when we got to the island, the first thing we started asking around, we brought food, but we we're like, hey, you know, like, what's, what do we do? You know, like, and everyone was like, go get the lobster bisque at the boardwalk, whatever you do. Got it the first night. I think we got it every night we were there. It was unbelievable. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, if you're ever back in Putin Bay, Ohio, for whatever reason, Bruce, make sure you get the boardwalk chowda uh, or the boardwalk bisque, whatever you want to call it. I will do that. I have not had this place that you're referring to. So yeah, I will take it as a W for sure. You should. You should. I will. We did the metaphor that was necessary. And now we're going to do the simile, the food simile. So the Bills came into the year with high expectations, and they did nothing to quell those expectations week one. The Bills' current status as Super Bowl favorites, as most analysts pick to win the Super Bowl, makes me feel like what? Mm. Nate, you're up. Have you ever been to a Michelin star restaurant, Bruce? I have. You have. So there is a level of intrigue. There is a level of trust that you have because of that Michelin star, right? When that restaurant you go to, you're first of all, you're going there because they have a Michelin star, right? Correct. So right now, the Bills are sort of like the NFL team that has the Michelin star without having the Michelin star, if that makes sense. Like the Michelin star is a Super Bowl. They don't technically have it. But everybody kind of believes they should have it. So they have the crown. Maybe, maybe he's a John. Maybe the Bills are a John Beard Award winner and not quite a Michelin star restaurant, but they're going for that Michelin star, right? And there's a level of A, nerves, but intrigue. You're really excited about it, right? You get there. And what's the first thing you sort of have to realize whenever you go to a Michelin star restaurant? Because most of them are very experiential, Bruce. They want to do a five, six, seven course tasting menu, right? So you go there. The problem is you're likely going to be served something in that bounty that you don't particularly like, or you would never seek out or try otherwise. For me, this has happened before. First time I went to a Michelin star restaurant, what was the first dish? Octopus. And I was so upset. Like, and Leanne, <laughs> my girlfriend looks at me, they, they come to the table, they put it down, and her, the look on her face, like she knew, she was like, Oh, like what a start, you know, what a start. And that octopus was out in front of me, Bruce. I tried it. I was skeptical. I liked it. I now I've only had it one other time since, but it was grilled and it was really charred. It had a really good charred, like open flame flavor to it that I liked, but there's a level of trust that you have to have for that restaurant 
in order to go. So if you're going to go for a tasting menu, go for a place that has that Michelin star. And the Bills being the current Super Bowl, you know, leader in the clubhouse that they are reminds me a lot about having to have that build up to that to that dinner at the Michelin star restaurant, much like the build up to this first week one game was. But then it was getting into that moment, trusting that that meal was going to be as good as it's been advertised to be for the months and months in the lead up that you've had to your reservation. And not only was the meal in this Michelin star restaurant, grade A, one of the best meals I've ever had. It started a little rocky, right? Like that octopus comes out first and I'm thinking, Oh man, like how many more dishes is he going to serve? Is, is he going to serve a Mayo sandwich next? Like, am I, am I <laughs> like, what's going to happen next? And you know, if the octopus is four turnovers or two first half turnovers, three first half turnovers, the rest of the dish, the rest of the dishes in that tasting menu were absolutely unbelievable. But even though I was maybe initially disappointed at the first dish, I still liked it. I ate the whole thing and it was a great experience. And I've never been back to a Michelin star restaurant because it was very expensive. But that is something that's an experience I would like to have again, much like I would like to enjoy the Bills beating teams the way that they beat the defending champs this year uh, or uh, the, the previous defending champs from last year yesterday on Thursday night in the opener. That's a good one. I like that one. The Bills current status as Super Bowl favorites makes me feel like I've made a recommendation to a friend and I'm anxiously hoping that they like it because I don't like the pressure that comes along with their expectations. So, you know my stance on in and out We've talked about in and out before. I'm not an in and out mm-hmm. guy by any means. You are not. But I do like Shake Shack. And not too long ago, my wife, a couple years ago, my wife and I had Shake Shack for the first time on her part. She had it for the first time. I had had it before. And I talked such a big game, Nate. I cannot mm. tell you what a big game I talked. I said, sweetheart, you're going to love this. It's going to be awesome. And she was a little bit gun shy because she had had in and out before and was like, okay, I'm not sure how I feel about these really popular regional burger chains. I was like, no, no, trust me. It's going to be great. The entire drive there, I was on pins and needles, Nate. Uh I was so scared that Mrs. Nolan was going to have something that I had recommended significantly to her and it didn't come through. Patton mm. says, Bruce just confirmed having a friend. The truth is out there. If you the remember truth correctly, is out there. I said, Mrs. Nolan. So it's a good point. And everyone knows Mrs. Nolan's my best friend. We do everything together, like literally everything together. So when I recommend food to her that I hope she likes, I'm anxiously making sure that it all goes according to plan. When the Bills don't have expectations on them, the reality can't really Mm. be that disappointing because expectations minus reality equals disappointment. Is there a higher set of expectations than we think you should win the Super Bowl? Which means literally there are tons of outcomes that end in disappointment if that's the expectation. Now, I don't have that expectation. I don't come in to a year and go... I expect the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Never. Not once. I don't believe in Super Bowl or bust. I think it's an incredibly inane concept because the idea is that somehow we have taken a group of Super Bowl contenders. We recognize that a significant amount of football is luck. Things bounce Mm -hmm. weird all the time. But yet somehow we've taken a sport that has popularized the phrase any given Sunday and meant, no, not any given Sunday, this Sunday right now. Well, no, you can't have it that way. You can't say any given Sunday uh, and say that's what makes football great and then also say Super Bowl or bust. That's ridiculous. So football has tons of luck, tons of luck, and it has so much luck that we have coined the phrase any given Sunday, but then we also say Super Bowl or bust. So for me, it's not a 10, but I know it is for other people. And that's what makes me nervous because my wife, no matter how I would have my wife, out, my wife, my wife, uh, yeah, yeah. My name is Leon Phelps. I am the ladies man. Yeah. Can I, can I buy you a fifth hand with the something? Because you find a fifth sandwich, a fifth hand with the something. Because you find, oh, it's the lady. 
Yes. Okay. So for those of you who are in your 40s or 50s and watch Saturday Night Live way back in the day, you will appreciate that reference. For those of you who do not, I am so sorry. sorry. So sorry that we went off on that quick little tangent. But I, I talked to my wife and said, hey, this is really good. I didn't say it is going to be the best burger you've ever had. I didn't say number one burger or bust. <laughs> I said, it's going to be really good, but I can't control how she feels about it. She right. might have thought, Hey, this is gonna be the best burger I ever had. I didn't say that, but that's outside my control. So I didn't say super bowl or bust, but I still have to watch and listen to all these analysts talk about the bills being super bowl or bust all the time. So that's how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I recommended something and I thought really highly of it, but they're all giving me Super Bowl or bust. They're all giving me the bills need to win. Anything less than a Super Bowl is a, is a failure. I have to listen to that. I didn't say that. I just said they were going to be good. I said they were going to be a Super Bowl contender, and I would agree with that. But that's how it makes me feel. Andy Anderson says, I expect the Buffalo Bills to play 17 regular season games. Th that's exactly what I'm talking about. That is 100% right. It is, quite frankly, the most basic of all expectations. It is literally the most basic of expectations. Literally the most basic. Nate, I'm fine with that. Winners and losers, man. Now, winners first off. and losers. Winners and losers. So, first off. The biggest winner and loser this week, it's got to be the fact that you and I made a bet last week, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. So Nate and I wow. made a Notre Dame-Ohio State bet. I gave him Notre Dame and three and a half points, and I won the bet, $20. Nate says he's going to Venmo me, $20. Mm -hmm. I have actually already allocated the $20. Wow, so you've already spent it. Yes. The second – no, I haven't, I haven't spent it yet. I just allocated it. Hmm. I've already told my wife what I'm going to spend it on. My wife. So, my wife. So, <laughs> that's going to happen every time now. Every it single has time. To. I don't, I don't, I, my wife. Nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do about it. Yes. We're going to do Ladies Man and we're going to do Borat the entire time. Good with it. So, with it. the biggest loser clearly is Nate this week. And the biggest winner is me because that's right. I won the bet and Nate lost the bet. Um, and hopefully he pays out this one faster than he paid out the lobster one. But don't. Well, but well, you have to be here. I know I haven't caught up. I haven't come up. I so, have not FBI. If you're listening, I have not been in Buffalo since insane. I won that bet at the end of last regular season. So yeah, so that's it, it, it's completely fair counterpoint. But in the real winners and losers, Nate, I'm gonna let you go first. You want to go winners or losers? Let's start with losers. Uh yeah, let's start with losers. I'm into biggest that. loser this week, Nate. Aside from you, who is it? Easily Cam Akers. I just, I was not, I was not expecting A, to see Daryl Henderson play the first two series. I was then not expecting to see him only get three carries the entire games, the entire game and have zero yards, Bruce. Zero. Squat. Zero yards. Cam Akers. I, I, I mean, I'm thinking he's a top 15, top 20 fantasy running back this year. And now, it looks like he might not even be a top two fantasy back on his own team. Um, yeah, I mean, that that definitely got to be this biggest loser. JR, he mentions Jalen Ramsey. I mean, yeah, Jalen Ramsey's probably the biggest loser from this game, too. He has a perfect passer rating against him uh, in this game. So, yeah, I I, I might agree that, uh, that he might be the biggest loser. JR, thanks so much for the super chat. I agree with you. I went off on a huge tangent on uh, social media today about Jalen Ramsey, specifically his trash comments from – uh, a couple of years ago, yep. on Josh yep. Allen and said, listen, you don't get to say things like that. Not basically not backtrack it at all. You know, you basically don't. Yeah. Get to right. Do that and then not get dunked on. You're going to get dunked on forever until just the you way it goes. come clean. Like you, you can't if you live by the hyperbole, you die by the hyperbole. We don't just make the rules. We don't make the rules. Also, dunking on Jalen Ramsey is particularly fun. So that works yes, out well. Is. Sean yes. McVay said today that Cam Akers needs to maximize his opportunities when he gets into the game. That's not good, Nate. That no. is not a good thing for your head coach to say. Hey, you need to maximize your opportunities when you get into the game. Basically, you're not going to get a lot of them. Like right. that's it just kind of comes along with it. Cam Akers is not going to get a lot of them. So my biggest loser is Sean McVay. That's my biggest loser. Sean McVay looked absolutely like he got outcoached 
He did. Absolutely he got outcoached did. by Leslie Frazier, by Ken Dorsey, and by Sean McDermott. Sean McVay said, well, you know, we, we really love to get Allen Robinson more involved. And Allen Robinson got two targets, and the one that he got that wasn't a bomb desperation at the end of the game was a play that happened off schedule. Matt Stafford never made it to the backside. We talked a lot leading up to this situation, this game with the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, about how Allen Robinson is so important because you need to be able to have someone who can win on the backside of the formation because you have Cooper Cup and all, all the fun stuff happening on the front side, right? Matt Stafford never got there. Yeah, He never got to the backside. And so if, if you want to get Allen Robinson involved and you're struggling up front to give Matt Stafford the confidence enough to make a full field read, go from the right back to the left to Allen Robinson, then you've got to scheme some stuff for him. And if you don't have any plays open in that book, then that's your fault. Yeah. If you thought that the it was you, all you could do, all you could do to get Allen Robinson involved was just go through a full field progression with a backside dig and he'd get plenty of targets and you had no backup plan in case that wasn't an option? Yeah, it's crazy. With an offensive line that has been reasonable, right? Right. But a brand new Buffalo Bills defensive line that just added Von Miller. At no point did you think it was a reasonable outcome that the Bills defensive line could be ferocious and you might have to adjust? No. You had nothing for him. The, the Buffalo Bills absolutely blanked the Los Angeles Rams in the second half. Just blanked them. I think that's fair to say. And there's just there's there's nothing there. So Sean McVay got outcoached. Absolutely outcoached. And that's not something you say lightly about a, a coach who is really good. Sean McVay is really good. But part of being a coach is being able to see all the potential outcomes to a particular situation plan and be that. prepared for them. Yeah, ha Having a plan A isn't good enough. Having a plan B isn't good enough. You got to have A, B, C, D, E when it comes to stuff. And I don't know how many different plans Sean McVay had, but it looks like he had plan A. He got whooped and he goes, I don't know. I, I just don't know, guys. I, I, just, I just don't know. I just don't know. Threw his hands up in the air and said, wow, this is, wow, this is a lot. It looked like they were shell-shocked. And that's not something I say lightly about a really good quarterback, a really good coach, a really good GM, one of the best receivers in football, and a player who I still think has a lot in the tank in Allen Robinson. I went back and watched all 22. He was open. Allen Robinson was getting open. Matt Stafford just never made it back to him. So my biggest loser, Sean McVay. My biggest winner this week is Jordan Phillips. Ooh, is there one. a player? Good is one. there a player who looks so drastically different in one organization than in another. It's crazy. For those of you who have been following me for a while, when Jordan Phillips initially was scheduled to be a free agent, I wrote an article for BuffaloRollMakes.com about why I don't think I would re-sign Jordan Phillips for the deal that I thought he was going to get on the open market. When Not I that you didn't want him. No, I just didn't that's want him at $10 million. That, that's a key component to that. And, I, and right. I'm with you. I mean, I, I agreed with your take. I didn't want him at $10 million. And Jordan Phillips himself had some things to say about that on Twitter, and it ended up being correct. But having Jordan Phillips as your backup three technique is a luxury, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Because is. if there is something that Jordan Phillips was built to do, it is coming in off the bench, playing with his hair on absolute fire against a quarterback who's not a running threat and empty. That is literally, because he can yeah. just go absolute whirling dervish. Gap integrity be darned. <laughs> when it comes to that, I don't have to worry about stopping the run. I don't have to worry about making sure I'm in the right gap. I don't have to worry about any sort of ice skates that I might get pushed. Just go hog wild. You want to spin move Jordan Phillips? Do your doggone spin move. That is the absolute perfect role for Jordan Phillips. Bring him in as part of a rotation and asking him to just go get it in a single gap attacking system, which is not what the Cardinals asked him to do. And it isn't really what Miami asked him to do. It is one of the reasons why he's been so successful here. And I absolutely loved the re-signing of Jordan Phillips. He can't see it on Twitter because I think we blocked each other on Twitter. But as is tradition, yeah. I am thrilled to have Jordan Phillips back. And I'm thrilled to have him in this role. And you can just tell it brings that energy, brings that juice. And 
is in the absolute perfect role for him. My biggest winner this week is Jordan Phillips. And you know what? We are going to be having a discussion this offseason about trying to re-sign him as a backup three technique and what kind of deal you can. And I'm going to be pounding the table to try and re-sign Jordan Phillips for what I would consider to be a reasonable backup three technique contract. And, and I'm hoping should, they can listen, get it done. he got paid. He got his payday in like, Arizona. I, I think teams will probably steer away from paying him again. I mean, plus he's going to be 30 years old. If he's he is 30 years old right now, right? I think so. Give me a second. I'll look him up right now. I'm going to give you my uh, my biggest winner. Go ahead. All right. So uh, he's 29 years old. Yeah. I mean, he'll be he'll be 30. But uh, dude, I I completely agree. I mean, Jordan Phillips has transformed himself back into the player he was in 2019. That's such a huge luxury for this team. But the biggest winner for me is the Bills' defensive line in general. Um, it's not just Jordan Phillips. When Ed Oliver was in the game before he went out with his injury, he was a stud. When I Von Miller looked didn't just look the part, Bruce. He didn't look like the guy that had a sack in the sack and a fumble in the Super Bowl. He looked like defensive player of the year, Von Miller, yesterday. Now, game one against his former team, there's probably some extra juice there. Here's the thing, though, Bruce. I think he played 35 snaps, 36 snaps yesterday. That's a sustainable model to get what we saw yesterday from Von Miller all season before is this, he got bent before they he pulled him out. The last thing he was playing 60, a little over 60% of the snaps at the end of the day, it ended up being 52% of the snaps. Absolutely. Which is, yeah. which is great. And I think that's what you're going to see when the bills get up in games, they're going to pull them when they're playing the jets. I don't think you need to have Von Miller out there for 60% of your place. He could be out there for 45, 50%. And you still have AJ Epinesa who one and a half sacks yesterday, really to me finally looked like the player a lot of folks thought the bills were getting in the second round a couple of years ago let me tell you something bruce we've given we've given brandon bean a lot of um a, a hard time about his second round picks over the last couple of years aj epinesa last year boogie basham this year now james cook and you know he didn't have the greatest start um boogie basham interception boogie basham. And, a, and 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 an interception in a sack a chase down um, sack where I, I think I think Stafford thought he had the corner on Boogie Basham. I said that happen. that was the quintessential Boogie Basham effort sack. That he is not a guy that's going to flash with technique. He's not doesn't have the bend or the athletics, the athleticism. He's not a four five guy, four six guy. He's not big. He's you know six one whatever. He just is an effort, 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 effort guy and. You know, if you're a quarterback that's going to hold on the ball, try to get to the sideline, like that's where Boogie Basham's going to do his damage. So, and listen, this is a team that didn't even see Shaq Lawson see the field. Um, that defensive line, Bruce, that was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen from a Bills defensive line that I can remember. Seven sacks. Um, I mean, just look across the board. They got contributions from everyone. But the thing is, is that you could tell that Von Miller had raised the the level of play of everyone around them, um, around him. And I just, he looked like legitimate defensive player of the year, Von Miller, that, that ghost sack or whatever that, that, that thing was art, Bruce. That was art. Double, double, right, ghost. double ghost, double ghost, ghosted the chip and then ghosted the tackle. Wow. It's, 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 a good, a good, a good ghost pass rush is, is literally artistic. So for those of you who That's don't right. know what I'm talking about, so, if you let's assume for a second that it's you're a right defensive end, you're going against a left tackle. Okay. So what happens is you have to use your left hand to bring it up to faint and draw out the punch of the left tackle. You have to draw up the hands. And once you draw up the hands by fainting your, what will eventually be your left arm toward the tackle, you bring the tackles arms up. And then as his arms are coming up, you are then sinking down underneath it. It's not just a speed rush because the key is right. you have to be able to get under the armpit of the tackle. And you do that by forcing him to flash his hands. And you usually do that by setting it up with a, like a long arm move of some sort. So mm -hmm. if they're worried about your long arm, then the second they start to see that left arm start to come up, they're going to, they're going to shoot. And then once they shoot, you pull it back and duck under. And being able to do that while running full speed and having the ankle flex necessary to be able to do that is rare 
yes. is really, really rare. And it's something that Von Miller is famous for. But absolutely. Okay. So winners, losers, we did it. We Nate, did do it. We did the We thing. did all the things. The things have been done. In yep. fact, I would argue that the things have all been done. You know what it reminded me of a little bit when you just said one of the best performances you've seen from a Bills defensive line in a long time? It reminded me of the cold front. The Jim Mario, Schwartz, cold front, Marcelo. Mario, Marcel, Kyle, Jerry. Yeah. And it's not the same. No, it's, it's not just four. That's right. It's actually a little bit more like the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles front, where they just had waves and waves of pass rushers that they would send at you over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it worked out pretty well for them. I don't know if you know anything about the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, but it worked out pretty well for them. Yeah. That was a, yes, it did. that was a pretty good, pretty good situation. Pretty, considering pretty, the, good. They, pretty, pretty good. But I'm going to go back real quick here and just read through some of those, some of those defensive linemen here. So their defensive linemen, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry, Brandon Graham, Chris Long, Tim Jernigan. You know, Ooh. they were, they were throwing people at you. Right. All of those people are like five to eight sack people, just waves and waves and waves and waves and waves of them, you know, and that was kind of how I felt about the Buffalo Bills. Now, they didn't have that level of player. I don't think Brandon Graham was ever a Von Miller level player by any means, but he was still a really good player. And that was a situation that worked out really well for them in 2018. They had Michael Bennett to that. That's they right. added Michael Bennett and Haloti Nada to that. So it was a scenario where it felt like the accumulation of everything Sean McDermott has said he wanted to build. That's what it felt like. It felt like every time you were searching for a quintessential Sean McDermott defense, you were looking for this. You were looking for this scenario. And that's why people get so excited because you think, okay, they finally did it. They built the thing that they said they wanted to build. Right. And so. And it, listen, it's not 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 for nothing. I mean, Brandon Bean put a lot of time, energy, effort, resources, assets into that defensive line. And the returns on the investment have not been as good as it was yesterday. Yes. I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. We did the, we did the thing, Nate. We did it. For those of you in the comments section and those of you listening around the world. I hope you enjoyed tonight. Yeah. I hope you had fun. I hope you too are basking in the food that sticks with you fondly, whether it's your cheesesteak or your barbecue or whatever Mm. it is. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was provoking and fun on a Friday night or a Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon or whatever you're listening to this. And most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry.